All right, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for stopping by for yet another episode of Spectator Mode Podcast, episode 46. As you know, I'm Keith Mitchell. I may not sound the same because I'm still damn sick. Thanks, Mother Nature. All right, we've got co-host Rob on the right of me, but if you're listening to us, you can't see him. And Matthew <laughs> Paul is at the bottom. What is Hi, up, guys. gentlemen? What's going on? Mace Carl Smart has not joined us. I guess he's... Last week he wasn't around. I think he was too busy taking care of um, fundraisers and charity to help Australia in the bushfires. I'm pretty sure he's probably doing that again, or he overslept. Take your pick. Who, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But uh, anyway, I'm pretty sure he'll be happy. You know that everybody's joining us again here, spectator mode. We are streaming once again to YouTube and to Twitch. So we're watching your comments. If you want to say something to us, definitely do so. And let's get this show on the road. As you know, every time we start the show, we talk about games that we played the last couple of days or week. I'm actually going to lead into this one first because I've been playing a game that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. And the game I didn't really expect to be good. And that is actually Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Bandai Namco was nice enough to send us a code for us to check it out. Matt sighing. Matt, you got to remember, this is my very first 3D Dragon Ball. And it's not bad. I, I had... Dragon Ball games have burnt me out. I, I, I can't even look at them anymore. It's like, ugh, it's another one. Another this is one. pretty fun. This is pretty fun. So this follows Dragon Ball Z from the very beginning up until the end of the Majin Buu saga. So if you watched all Dragon Which Ball Z. Z. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. If you watched all Dragon Ball Z and you watch Dragon Ball uh, Kai, then you Kai, know. Yeah, Kai's a remake of Z. Well, yeah. HDZ, but. Eh. Yeah. It's basically like. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Mm, uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood follows the manga more. Full Metal Alchemist is just an anime. Yeah, right. So uh, for those who've watched Dragon Ball, it's a lot of fun. Um, they do take a lot of liberties. They do change change up a couple of things, shorten some things, omit some things, add some things in there. Like uh, the very first time that Vegeta and and Goku and Nappa fight, uh, he can fly. It's like, no, he couldn't do that. <laughs> but that's the game. So, can't do anything about it. So far, I am up to the Frieza saga. I would have been further if I wasn't A, recording everything, B, doing ter- uh, testing and troubleshooting for the internet, and C, didn't overwrite my save twice. Ah, the save system is terrible. It does an auto-save, and then you can do a manual save. But if you start the game again, it automatically auto-saves over your auto-save. That's a bad system. That sounds that sounds like a class one of those. Eh, this, I'm not saying it's relative. It happens a lot in some modern games too, where you just trust your save state. I remember doing this a lot, uh, playing Skyrim. When I used to play Skyrim, and it's like they would auto save, and you have to save, and you have to watch where you save. Yeah, it was really weird because it, it it just overlapped one another. It wasn't like a tiered system where it would yeah. be like here's your auto save, and then here's your like it, yeah, it would just be a list, and you could save over whatever you wanted. Basically, it's really weird. It's what it does. You can save it. You can also save it, but I didn't do that. Then after it happened the second time, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should start saving my own games. So that's what I've been doing. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's a lot of fun. It is a little on the stealth side sometimes because of how fast the game paces through. And it is it's classified as an action RPG, um, but it's more of a real-time uh, select your attack functionality, sort of like um, Yakuza. It's like Yakuza. Yeah. Uh, other than that, though, um, again, I'm enjoying it. It's, I'm halfway through the game so far, and I like it. The graphics look good. The gameplay is actually pretty decent. It does get still again because it is an RPG at times. There's not really a big level up uh, 
process. You fight some guys, you get some experience, you go up levels, you go to training to earn different moves and repeat the process until you've powered up enough. Uh, it's just like watching the anime. And I think this game is going to appeal more to people who've actually never watched any of any other Dragon Ball or only watched some of them versus those who, who basically know every line from every Dragon Ball episode ever. And even then, those who are big Dragon Ball fans are saying the game is really good. I enjoy it. I've seen a couple of people complain that it looks stale. Hmm. It's an RPG. It's niche. I mean, what are you going to do about it? But, I'll yeah. have to ask you about that later on because I've never actually seen Dragon Ball, period. Or I have, but never actually religiously sat down and watched it all the way through um, or even tried to. So I'd be curious to see if like, if I were to jump into the game first, for example, what that would be like. But we can say that for another time. I was just oh, no, no, that's fine. I can answer <laughs> here. I, w- I would actually recommend you watch the show. Okay. Because, again, the, the game takes certain liberties just to make it short because Dragon Ball has a lot of uh, filler episodes. And a lot mm-hmm. of building episodes and a lot of suspense episodes, which you don't really get out of this. Like, for example, the Freezer Saga. You land on Namek, you fight some goons, you run to Ginyu Force, you beat them. Here's Freezer. But everybody who's watched the show knows it, it doesn't happen that fast. In the game, it happens in the context of maybe two, three hours. And actually, animated, you're looking at what? How many episodes, Matt? Like, uh, like how many hours? Like five, six hours worth of stuff? Filler, yeah, yeah. I mean, just, it just takes a while. That, yeah, I mean, it was it's one of classic animes from the we got in the nineties, but you know, eighties, whatever you know, and it, it's Dragon Ball. I mean, my opinion about Dragon Ball is you can love Dragon Ball today, die from, and I all Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, don't watch that, but it's super. But my opinion about Dragon Ball is like it's one of those animes you're supposed to kind of outgrow because after a while you realize this is kind of ridiculous. You <laughs> could never outgrow. You could never outgrow Dragon Ball. I you cannot. Yes, you cannot. I'll go the original Dragon Ball. Yes, Dragon Ball Z and the others because it's been played so many times. Like it's over. It's like, it's like um, how to put it. It's like, it's, it's like Notorious B.I.G. You could really never outgrow him, but every time you hear an album, you're like, eh. Yeah, the original Dragon Ball gets no play. You watch it once. Okay, I'm done. Never want to watch it again. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's Z and up. That's what that's the that's the thing. Yep. But um, other than that, that's pretty much it. I've been playing that ever since. I got my hands on it on Tuesday. Was not expecting it. Prior to that, I was dying. I still am dying, just dying less. But yeah, Dragon Ball, just fun. What about you, Rob? Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm still doing Destiny Two. I won't go over my. Wait, 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 wait. You were supposed to do something this week. Yeah, that was a game you were supposed to play. What did you? Did you play it? Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> did you, uh... He did not play it. <laughs> No, I I legitimately didn't. I did have time to do it, but I just didn't. I um I'm trying to finish up my Life is Strange two play, which is also another game that I've been playing this week. Uh, I'm trying to finish that up first. I want to get that out of the way so I can write up my review and and um have that up by beginning of next week. So ah, I was hoping uh, to play that game. No, I'm I'm definitely gonna for sure do it for the next show. And you can you can do picky square promise whatever you want to do. I'll I'll have it. By the name eight. of the next show is going to be Rob. Have you played Resident Evil two yet? All right, you got it. Yeah, that is and the name. Then, of and the show. answer will be yes. I can at least guarantee you that. How much will I play? I'm going to at least do one run, but I will. That's all we're asking. That's all we're asking. Do one run. That's all you. That's all you need. Yeah, yeah, but I got got because I I really want to finish up uh, my Life is Strange two playthrough, and I just keep playing Destiny because I'm still sucked into it, and uh, I probably should stop. But uh, I know no. that feeling. I yeah, know that feeling. Yeah, you know it well, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, I've been also doing Life is Strange 2. Um, I finished episode three, so there's only two left. Um, I'm 
thinking because I want to kind of go back and replay my episode two, which we could delve into as to why, because I kind of I didn't like my choices, which is something I've never really done with a choice game before, um, at least not like because I've been invested in choice games before, but I've never thought like, oh, I regretted everything I did. I should probably try again. Um I'm actually kind of feeling that this time. So I'm considering if I should just go back and play episode two, because there's a couple things that happen towards the end of it that you really want to make sure you make the right choice, you know, um, depending on what your playthrough might be, but there's not much leeway with that. So I feel like I made a couple wrong choices at the end and I, I should probably try again, but uh, yeah, considering it, but I'm about uh, uh, three out of five now. So just remember in those, ty- uh, those types of games, there is no wrong choice. It's yeah, only uh, how you feel. Well, yeah. I mean, the first one, not so much. But yeah, I, I do agree that there is some leeway. If you do make the wrong choice, you can at least keep going. And there's not too much effect into the next episode. Which is I'll nice be stuff. honest with you. Every time I go into a game like that, my first playthrough, I go, I want to be a complete asshole and do everything wrong. And then I never do because I, I start playing and I go, well, what would I do in this situation? Yeah. As much I as I want to be like, bad, I can never be the bad guy. I, I want to yeah. be bad. That's how I feel about like any like Fallout playthrough or Skyrim playthrough. Like, oh, I'm going to be the villain this time. And then I feel bad immediately. And I'm just like, ah, I don't really want to do that anymore. <laughs> I did that now to Worlds. The first guy I come to, I shot him the first time. I was like, oh, I didn't want to do that. No. And we go like, back yeah, again. Regret it immediately. <laughs> and she put options. Are you sure you wanted to do that? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not really sure. Yeah. But yeah. What about you? <clears throat> what about you, Matt? I'm still oh, dying here. God. God, you are dying. <laughs> I think I think you might want to hand over the reins. I've been playing, well, you know the two games I've been playing, Hades and Slate Aspire. Particularly Slate Aspire, the, the patch is finally out for the fourth character. And I've been having fun playing the Watcher, uh tr- unlocking its ca- unlocking her card to see what they do and what she is as a character, where she stands in the whole meta of the game. I feel like she's a very powerful character with very specific combos that she could do with the ability to retain cards, as well as switch between the two modes. Uh, calm, when, egg, when you leave Calm, you gain two extra energy, and when you're in Wrath, you deal double damage, and you take double damage. So you definitely, if you're going to activate Wrath, you better try to kill them, or you can take the hit. Or if you do Calm into Wrath, you just gain two extra energy to guarantee you murder them <laughs> in some aspects, and depending on your energy map and everything else. Uh, she's very fun. She, I haven't seen any unique um, uh, relic she has that, t- that sets her, but I think she's. Uh, I think she's definitely. I feel a lot better than the silent because the silence that, and definitely better than the robot, uh, the defect because the robot is in one way to play: get powers, get a bunch of orbs, and throw at them. That's there's not much to it. So I had a lot of fun with that, and I had a lot of fun playing more of the Hades. The, the, the any, I think it's sometime uh, like a week from now, we should be getting a new update patch. Hopefully, they'll unlock the final weapon and maybe make some changes to how the god boon work, whatever, and maybe buff a couple of weapons around me to more buffs. But that's about it. I'm, that's all I've been playing, just those two games. All right. Well, we went through that pretty quickly. I said 10 minutes, and we've got through it like five. So, okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we were going to jump in and talk about E3, but seeing how Matt is kind of gaga over fighting games. He wants to do a news roundup of fighting game news this week, which I think is a great new, uh, great view, especially since I also come from a fighting game background. But I gave up; I relinquished my fighting stick many, many moons ago. <laughs> so, so take it away, Matt. So I can't call on you to help me grind out Grand Blue Fantasy. Okay, you um, know I want to play that. If anything, just because of the RPG. Yeah, RPG mode. That's uh, it has a lot of different modes to wait it. So to, uh, this weekend, 
Uh, Frosty Fausting is a is a tournament. It's there. Uh, they have they have three. They have essentially three booths of all the Arxis games that are coming out. You can play Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. You can play the latest Guilty Gear Strive. You can play the uh, latest UNIL game. So UNIL CR. Um, there have been some inklings of changes they've made, such as a UNIL CR. Wagner, one of the stronger characters in the game. It's a love or hate that character feel like it. I personally hate that character because it's just boring to watch, boring to see. It's one of those, I'm just strong, whatever, right? Get into that later if you ever want to ask. So Wagner can now combo off her throws. Her JB can be charged. It looks like it beats projectiles clean, making her stronger than ever. I don't think it's ridiculous, but that's her. Um, and Grand Blue Fantasy, more people playing the game, enjoying it. People found out that the uh, Devil Man, the guy with Scythe, uh, he's an armor character, so he can break. He has armor hits. He's slow, but he can he can hit, even hit people through supers, depending on how many hits a super does. Uh, a lot more people are falling in love with the character Mitara. She is the zoner. She is the fox girl with the bow. She throws butterflies. She hits if the if the projectile hits the butterfly, the butterfly will hit a hit a vertical uh, projectile, locking it down. She also has many anti airs from one C, two C, and three C from different angles. And she can throw an arrow storm, where she'll shoot an arrow, it comes down, and can lock the opponent down. So she, a lot of people are loving her because of how interesting she is. My personal opinion is everyone's going to play her, and then when everyone figures her out, she will not be a top tier, because everyone wants to play her. That's how I feel like. Uh, the character I'm looking forward to is Percival. Miara is on my list, too. Percival is the flame swordsman. Flame sword. Um, and everyone's having a good time. Posted some tech here, then nothing too crazy I've seen so far, but it's gonna be good. And no, and a lot more people. I think people finally playing Guilty Gear Strive. There's a lot less negative feedback in the community about it I've seen so far uh, compared to when Guilty Gear Strive was because people were talking about, oh, this game is in like the old Guilty Gears. The the UI looks ugly, even though the game's a beta alpha, it can be changed. It's and they're not a fan of some of the mechanics they changed, such as. Um, there's a lot more less hard knockdowns currently in the game as of me looking into it, as well as, um, the Gatling system isn't as, as, uh, similar to other Guilty Gear games like Exert or Axon Core. So some people are a little bit upset about the complaint. There's not much freedom and combos, whatever, but this Guilty Gear is much more simplified. So maybe it will draw some new people, whatever. And that's about it in the fighting game news. That's, oh, and, uh, apparently people are still playing Street Fighter V with the fan patch. So if you have a PC, <laughs> play that fan patch. You'll probably enjoy your netcode better. I've heard that that fixed the netcode, which is really surprising because everybody is very surprised about that, and everybody's yeah. pointing the finger back at Capcom going, hey, look, a modder fixed another person's game again. What the and they immediately took the service down <laughs> for <Yep>. maintenance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I haven't, um, I since I don't really follow Street Fighter as much as I, I give up on Capcom because, um, let's, I'm going to be honest, is anyone listening to this, Street Fighter 4 is a good, the last one's a good game because Ono and other people worked on the game. The other people who worked on Ono's game left to work at SNK and they made King of Fighters 14 and Samurai Showdown. Ono made a game by himself with Boshige, who is a who is an anime player for setting up his Guilty Gear. And you can see how it's not as strong as the other Street Fighter game mechanically and I would even say gameplay wise for a lot of players. Because it's not a traditional Street Fighter game. So it's my opinion that Ono is essentially the Ben Affleck of gaming. Where he doesn't really do anything. He's just famous for what he is. And everyone else looking around him is essentially Matt Damon. Because everyone knows Matt Damon wrote Goodwill Hunting and carried you. Okay? And that's why Ben Affleck's the worst Batman ever. He's not good. Everyone else <laughs> is better than him. He's just yeah. famous. Yeah, Street Fighter Five for me was like... That was like the first... 
I guess, traditional fighter I ever played. I come from playing like Smash as a competitive yeah, activity because I'm not yeah, going to yeah. Smash is not a fighting game. Yeah, no, I'm not. I, this is my thing about Smash. Smash is okay. It's just a fighting game is what it is. I just think that a lot of people, the problem with Smash is, is an image community problem because those guys. Yeah, it absolutely those, does. Yeah, it's a community's image. They, they say a lot of stupid stuff. They are very rowdy at tournaments. They're very disrespectful. I remember a tournament, they were booing, uh, I think it was a Mortal Kombat or Guilty Gear Grand, one of my Grand Finals. They were booing them to get them off the stage so they could play their game. That's how I have experience with that. Oh, so God. Like, I think that was Evo a couple of years ago. Exactly. It's been a little while. It's been a while. Um, but yeah, was, you're aware of it too. So it's like, yeah. it's not, it's not, and the problem is that some of the, the top players who are Smash are not really the best of people in some aspects of people's social skills or whatever, like, et cetera. Like, so in, in my opinion, it's like Smash itself is fine. It's just the people, but it has so much numbers that it's like everyone just perceives Smash people like disgusting or toxic or just not people you want to hang around with. Yeah. I mean, I won't jump into it too much, but I think inherently the community is much younger compared to traditional fighters. So a lot of that comes from maturity and age differences and things like that. And it also doesn't really help that a lot of the community has like a minority, but a very, very loud minority of top players and people in the community who are popular enough who just have like... Clout. Uh, I don't want to say yes, clout, but like I don't, I don't want to say like baby opinions, but like opinions where they they don't take the time to kind of adapt to anything. A lot of times, there's a lot of complaining and things about new characters and stuff. Oh yeah, exactly. Like yeah, they, like they're, they're prejudging things and they become word of mouth or yeah. some aspects. Some some players. Who and that are, happens for like all oh, fighting games, of, and yeah, stuff. Fight games. but, but it, Smash, Smash specifically, yeah. yeah. It happens a lot, especially with like when Hero came out because everybody was so oh, worried so about broken, like the yeah. command menu and and like people getting one hit KOs and stuff. And it's just like it, it doesn't happen that often. And when's the last time a hero got a top eight, let alone winning a? a I remember people were complaining about at one point like Ryu being the game or Terry, or whatever, a Joker. It's like come on. And, and the best way to describe this my opinion about Smash, even though I'm not a fan of it, Smash has huge appeal to people who are not Smash heads. That's the thing about it. So yeah. if you understand that, it's fine. My only thing about Smash, like I said, is just the people. And I wish one thing. Please use deodorant, guys. Please. Well, that, ha- that joke is long gone. Well, I, that's, I not, hope that's not just back. for that's just not for Smash or any fighting game, but any event, any convention, any event. Please people, use deodorant. Please use freaking deodorant. Yeah, please. Please, please take a shower too. Please do that too. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, but no. I know it's open joke. It's like that. That's just the take of it. Yeah, and it's it is what it is. But the one thing I do appreciate about Smash. Is that regardless of where you are, because the numbers are big, you can always find a tournament anywhere, New York, California, Texas, wherever you always find a scene. So that's always that's one thing I'm very happy for them that other games, it's just hard. And that yeah. it's, it's, it is like all jokes aside, how are you gonna find, you know, uh you know, Power Rangers power in the grid scene, you know, somewhere in like <laughs> yeah. Tuscan, Arizona. And that game isn't bad either. They're also at Frosty Pousting. They're having their own league. I've heard that game is actually doing very good. I haven't played it yet, but I, I, out of all the fighting games out there right now, I do want to play it just because it's Power Rangers. And they also have their own, um, their own, uh, what is it? Venue, their own esport. Um, yeah, they're starting their own league. Yeah. 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 And it's, to me, about it, it's very Marvel esque, but I'm not particularly big on that game because I found out there, I found a couple of cheesy stuff in that game I'm not a fan of, but. It's it is what it is, and I'm glad wait, cheesy enjoy. stuff in fighting games, really? Che- cheesy stuff in a Marvel game beat breaks the game. Let's put it that way. <laughs> wait, wait, you mean you're not a fan of back in the day where there were all these infinites and whatnot? Because I used to recall doing those people enjoying it. 
No, the thing though is, I'll <laughs> put it this way: in modern gaming, if those games were not programmed to have those, they just whatever. Hence, why the term they call is kusoge. They're popular. They're kusoge. They're broken. They're just games that just don't function, right? They were not intentionally designed. This game is intentionally designed, and it has it, and it makes me a little upset about that. Like the same way I feel about Wagner having the ability to combo for throws in Unil. That makes me a little bit upset. And now her JB can be projectiles, meaning that if you try to zone her out, she'll just jump. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't beat her with fireballs. I can't get in her <laughs> face. I'm gonna, if I try to do Oki, she could throw me out of my own Oki in combos. It's like I'm just going to get wrecked. That makes me upset. Yeah. But and it, it, then yeah. fighting game news. There you and go. Fighting game news. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, I think the best character in 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 the. And the Power Rangers Battle Grid is the is the pirate Yellow Ranger for having those insane records, I believe. So if you want to play that game, pick her or him. All right, all right. Uh, let's talk about something that's slightly dis- uh, depressing. Then again, it may be more depressing depending on how you uh, you take this. But uh, E3 isn't doing so well. Apparently, Sony has pulled out. Um, Microsoft will be in attendance, but they haven't said in what capacity yet. But chances are they're going to have it in their own building, which is across the street from the convention center. Not exactly across the street, but it's it's quite a bit away, but it's not that far. Um, and Nintendo will likely be there in some capacity, one shape or another, but they might just be doing what they always do, have a booth on the, sh- on the floor, and then do their their plays. And, yeah, direct, yeah. And the question basically is, what the hell is going on with E3? Is it done? Is it going to evolve? You know what exactly is going to happen with this, and I gotta be honest, I'm I'm kind of disappointed about all the stuff that's happening between people pulling out, between um, the leaks from 2018 and 2019, where they pretty much gave out everybody's information, yeah. um, and even before that, uh, uh, the the mismanagement of the event, uh, them changing up their actual management of the event not too long ago, like a couple days ago, actually, they've sent out a press saying, "Hey, we made these changes." nobody's trusting e3 and it just feels like it's an outdated model now yeah you know a little context for myself i'm 43 years old i grew up around the atari and the collegial vision all that fun stuff so i've always watched the game industry from the outside and when we started the site and we started the we're able to go to these events and we finally were, were invited to e3 and i finally went out to e3 in 2017 I was excited as hell. I was like, yes, I finally get to go to E3. This is the first time ever. And it was also the same time that they invited the public. And it was like, oh, this is going to be a shit show. This is not going to be good. We went there. It was a couple other people with us at the time. And while I enjoyed it, it, it it was a clusterfuck. Sorry. It was basically the public. It was the industry people. It was the people trying to demonstrate their stuff. It was putting your camera equipment up to record stuff, having to get knocked to the ground, not having any real way to walk around, trying to get to appointments was a, was a disaster. It wasn't uh, it wasn't fun. It, it was, was it was it was like a good experience, but it was like wow, this was not handled good. And this is ba- it was a badly run convention, put nicely. It has been, you know, and this is coming from I've I've gone to PAX seven times now, and despite PAX having some crowd issue sometimes you can tell that that organization has uh, a hold of they they know how to run the event 
PAX is always handled well, at least PAX West and PAX East. I haven't heard really good things about PAX South, <laughs> but PAX East and PAX West are always handled good. So I was kind of disappointed. In 2018, they said the attendance dropped, and they didn't really talk about 2019. I've talked to some people, and they were like, they didn't really care. A lot of them were like, we're not going back. So the question I have for you, gentlemen, is what does E3 need to do to stay alive, to evolve, or should they just go away? Two things. Um, one, E3 should, if this, I'm going to, oh, this is my both, I'm going to take two pictures. If E3 wants to um, be relevant, stay in the game, they're going to have to clean up their marketing image and stop being what the hell they're doing wrong. Get some new management, proper management. So incredible. Um, two, they're going to have to start allowing in. Um, I know E3 has been known for the big house people. You got to let, like, if he's mentioned packs, let in the indies, let them in. Uh, what you're going to need to do is put a cap limit on um, public that you only selling, let's say you sell like 60,000 tickets, whatever the 60,000 tickets at a premium price. So the public come in so they could, so they can enjoy it. But then there's also the press who depressed. So you have to treat it as a press conference first, but you can allow some public people to come in, but it's make it premium, you know, make it feel like not any Johnny, well, not any giant don't go, but if you go, it's going to be an experience. So you have to work on that. So that's the only way I can see them doing it. Sony, my opinion is that also the other half devil's advocate it's irrelevant any it's irrelevant because all these other gaming software and hardware guys have, can make their announce it via the internet and make make their own uh, videos make their own conventions or things for it like nintendo direct or sony play or whatever microsoft calls themselves you know have their own xbox experience or something and they and it can draw the same amount for less of the cost so that's the other side of it but if e3 wants to stay around they're gonna have to allow more more than the big three to get in. You're going to have to learn to take, again, let indie developers come in or other people who make gaming, <clears throat> who's also in the gaming world, to come in, such as, you know, a couple of panelists or uh, like, a, like a proper convention, other gaming people or other game experiences. And that's the only way because the way they run their model now is completely outdated. Like, Microsoft doesn't need you to make advertisement anymore. Sony doesn't need it. Nintendo doesn't need it. You bring up a good point and while you're dying, you bring up a good point. When you, when yeah. I went to E3 and E3 in general, there are none of that. Like, for example, we'll keep bringing up PAX as a great example, or or even Gamescom or Tokyo Game Show. They have panels. They have stages where you can go and watch events and find new stuff. There is nothing like that at E3. There's nothing like that there. Sure, they have a couple events here and there, but when you go to PAX, one of the big things you go to PAX for are the panels. And they advertise them out the hell and back. They ask, hey, do you want to run the panel? And every time you go to PAX, there's at least 12 to 13 panels that you want to go see. Every time. There's nothing like that E3. Yeah, and exactly. you also bring up another good point where the big three. Microsoft, in the past, they needed them. Sony needed them. Microsoft needed them. Nintendo needed them. They don't need them anymore. The technology has caught up. We have live streams. We have these other events. Microsoft has their own event. Sony has done their own event. Nintendo doesn't really need them because Nintendo sends their stuff over to multiple stores like they used to do with Smash. When Smash came out, what's coming out, you could go to Best Buy and play the game on the kiosk. You can go to Nintendo New York or other yeah. places to play their games. None of these big three need E3. E3 needs them. And you know what? I don't think Sony's going to come back. 
I don't know it, if Microsoft is going to stay. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell, and because I feel like it kind of started even with Nintendo when they first started doing their directs. Because as time went on, when more E3s came around, they started treating it as it as if it was just another convention, right? Because like when they started with like Breath of the Wild, like their whole booth and section was just for like to promote the game to, to consumers. It wasn't necessarily yeah. like it's set up for press to come in and play the game and get their impressions. Like it was more so just like we have it on display. We have like, you know, generated this for a consumer facing image. It's not necessarily, you know, here are the press, you know, here's what we're expecting them to say. We want them to have good faith, that kind of thing. It's more just like, it's, it's kind of, they may have gotten the ball rolling in some sense and kind of they've turned it into something where it's like, similar to what that that leak was with what their plans were to do for the next E3s where where to kind of set up as like a fan convention as a celebration rather than like an actual press conference where you're learning about these new technology new products stuff like that it, they kind of started like gearing more towards well we have our own presentation that we're just going to put up there pre-record so that we can control it it's not going to be like the initial switch press conference that they had which was just not very good when you compare it to their directs that they had. They tried doing it one more time, and it was just like, oh, God, like, the production's weird. Everything's taking too long, uh, it, it, and it was odd. So they, they do away with that completely, and you have just this booth there for them that they've rented out, and it's like it turns into something that's just, you know, it's it's on display. It's like a museum type thing. You know what I mean? It's that's like, what it is. That's what it is. When when I was at E3, Nintendo's only uh, pre- uh, presence was – this huge ass section that was there for you to play games and a small section there for you to talk to them. If you had a, uh, a, a um, meeting with them, that was it. And yeah. getting inside that giant area where there was nothing but games on display was nearly impossible. Mm. You literally could stay there the entire day yeah, to get in there. And adding to that, um, E3 needs to, I hate to say this, but yeah, they need to segment off their days. Like two days needs to be for industry, two days needs to be for public. It cannot be, oh, everybody jump in the pool. No, that does not work. It does not work. It was a mess. And that was right. one of the big reasons why I was like, I'm not going back in 2018. I did not want to do that mess again. They need to stop it. I understand what they're trying to do, but that is not the place for it. And I'll be 100% honest, actually, the only time I really want to go back to E3 is for uh, console announcements. That's it. So I can actually get hands-on. And if yeah. you think about it, it ain't worth it. It's not. That's not a big deal. The second Microsoft and Sony take their stuff outside of E3, and they do this now with Gamecom, Gamescom, they do it with Tokyo Game Show and other events, the second they start taking their stuff to, like, say, PAX, it's done. There is no reason to have E3. None. Not a one. Yeah. And I I agree because it even started with like the next gen uh, or this current gen because they, because they, what, uh, PS4 and Xbox One is around early February when they did their first releases or or first looks at their consoles where they had their own press conference completely separate from E3 where they actually showed off for the first time. People could actually watch the live stream and, and go out to, wherever they were and, 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 you know, see it for themselves if they like, I'm sure they invited press and all that and stuff, but like, um, it, it, they were completely separate. Like they did it way earlier in the year compared to where E3 where you would think normally they would do that release and then pair it with the games and stuff that are coming out later that year. But I mean, 
lately it's just been like, okay, here's some stuff that we didn't uh, technically go over in the first re- review of what this new console is going to be, and also here's some games and stuff. It's not like they don't necessarily need it to promote the new consoles anymore. It's no, uh, it's no, definitely not at all. been a thing of the past for a while. Yeah, and, and that's that's the whole thing. The fact that again, like I said, the technology has changed, the landscape has changed. The only thing you could do at E3 now, other than be stuck in lines, is talk to the PR directly, and they've gotten better making their stuff out to to other events. Like, PlayStation, I'm going to keep using PAX East, because that's the biggest convention outside of E3 that I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. When you go to PAX East, their reps are there, on the floor. You can talk to them. You have third-party reps on the floor, from like Bandai Namco and Activision. They are there. They want to talk to you. Sony has a huge section in packs where you come in, there's about 20, 30 kiosks set up, and you can play all the upcoming games. Microsoft does the same thing. I, I would honestly say that PAX has surpassed E3. I know a lot of people out there are probably saying I'm wrong, but just based on the way they handle the consumers and the industry at the same time, and everybody's always says PAX East has a great environment. I haven't met a person that says this was a terrible event. I agree. And uh, the thing is, like, with PAX, it's because they, they take this community, they take it. It's like, we're going to focus on a lot more smaller people, mid-sized companies. Even when we have AAA, we're all about a certain type of experience. The E3, from its stigmatism, it's a news-type convention. Who's going to pay for the news? Because we all have the internet, so the news is nothing. So you've got to have to offer experience. But they can't offer that experience because they have they have never done it before. So it's like okay, it's just very it's just very weird that they are kind of in this weird pigeonhole. Like oh, this is happening. Okay, yeah, and it's it's weird too because it's like they leak out this this presentation that I covered on last year about you know they're trying to make it a more consumer focused event. Like and, and then even when those details come out, I mean. Granted, if you look at the, the the fine details of it and you hear stuff about influencers and initiations or whatever they're called, and you hear about all these programs that, that are, are are driven marketing speak that tries to get you to you exactly know, it's hop in and do this this thing that'll look cool on TV and then you'll you'll be able to remember this game or whatever. Oh, by the way, this game's coming out soon, you know, that kind of thing. Um, people were negative to that too, because like even if it becomes less relevant for them to want to make it um, less press conference based, more consumer based, invite more people to come. Even when they do that, like it's, it's, it's tougher for them to be relevant if they're just going to be bringing games. It's, it's not technically a convention that's like for the fans, like PAX, it's, it's supposed to be something that's professional, something that has exactly. all the big reveals. And it's, it's not going to become that, especially if you transition into this new model and, and nobody's going to want to go. <laughs> exactly. Cause there's other experiences that do that. Nobody wants to go now. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, and the thing is, like, it seems like, um, Rob, are you a comic guy? Are you are you are you aware of Wizards of the Coast? No, not really. <laughs> okay, what about you, Keith? Are you a comic guy? You wear Wizards of the Coast or Wizard conventions? I have not been to a Wizard convention, but I am a comics guy. You know this. I'm checking, okay, because there's some people who are comics guys who don't this know. Is a test. <laughs> it's a test. Simple test. All right, so Wizard Wizard of the Coast, Wizard cons. A lot of their cons. When they use that term influencers, whatnot, they just have a set amount of celebrities they pay a year to go to these conventions for them. And that's what I'm picturing. Wait, 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 wait. They pay them to go? 
they paid him to go because, or they invite them with you know benefits and a couple of nice things like this. You know, sounds like some EA type of garbage. Eh, it's it's no, it's kind of, you are breathtaking. It's pretty much it's it's and not to be mean, it's kind of it's kind of industry standard in some aspects. Um, so they get they would pay or offer something to get these guys to come to their convention and maybe they could sell their gimmicks. You know signatures and photos and all that to the conventions and advertise. Hey, we got William Shatner too out here. We got, uh, you know, Aaron, Aaron, you know, uh, God, Jason Aaron to come here from Marvel. We got, uh, we got I'm trying to think of a good DC writer who's still at DC right now. We got Tom King still coming in. We got, uh, we got Matthew Fraction, Matt Fraction coming over. We got Steve Lieber. Please come to our convention because we paid these guys to come here. And when I hear that talk of influencers then what they mean is they're going to pay people to come here and let them do their thing thinking that's going to draw money for them to get tickets in the door and that's like that's a very old tactic and it works sometimes but you just admitted you're doing it true like i had to find this out by knowing people who used to work at wizard or just you know going to conventions and i know most conventions do do this again that's a convention model technique who will come to how much you're going to pay who would you pay to come to e3 to promote it and do this, and it's like, well, you're gonna pay Giant Bomb. You're gonna pay Ninja. Like, who, who, who can you pay to bring in that, that, that juice, that, that quality to it at this, and still be again a news experience? You're not. So, in my opinion, uh, E3, like I said, unless they do what I mentioned earlier, bring in the doors, allow more. If E3 takes the current model of gaming conventions and apply it to who they are. And drop some of the news aspects of it, unless you're an indie guy, this news is news, then yes, they can be successful. But they will be much smaller compared to the king of packs right now. Or you know what also hurts them now? You know what really hurts them right now also? The sure. fact that every time they go to an E3 or to a big event, everything gets leaked ahead oh, of yeah, the Oh, yeah, everything show. gets leaked. Yeah, they got some it's bad like, internet guys. <laughs> it's like, guys, shut up. Do not tell. Hey, we got the entire list of all the games coming out. Here's when the PlayStation 5 comes out. Hey, we know when this game is being delayed. Shut yeah. up. Yeah, just yeah. Like, don't say nothing. <laughs> half, the, half the fun of going to these events is finding out something. When I went to E3 and I found out that, hey, Capcom is working on Monster Hunter World. And I was like, holy shit. Really? Oh, my God. This is great news. Didn't know anything about it until I got there. You know, yeah. first time playing Destiny 2 on a PC, it was like, wow, holy crap, this is amazing. Now it's like, oh, you know about this two weeks before the thing starts. It's yeah, like, it's, well, it's like, why yeah, do I want to go now? media is that? Could you imagine? Like, I know that you, the smart thing, you just mentioned the developer. Mention Devolver Digital's there. Mention uh, Chucklefish is there. Mention Supergiant Game is there. Just say that. Don't say the thing. <laughs> they, that, here's the problem with that. Everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame. You know, they'll leak the game. Hey, I know about this from this source. He told me this and X, Y, Z. And my source told me this and my source told me that. And they all want their fame. They want to make a name for themselves in the industry. And I understand the hustle, but you ruin the experience for everybody. Stop. Please stop. Happens what I say? Keep hiring people like this. Maybe they should just <laughs> let their, their inner circle. <laughs> But their inner circle guys handle it. Stop. There are some jobs you don't give to peons. It's not even in that. You know, it's just like, don't say anything. You're like, nobody's going to know that I told you this. 
like when you talk to these and you got these really big leakers who are known for leaking stuff ahead of time, and you know that somebody's gonna leak something to them, just Nintendo had it awesome. Nintendo did it right. When Nintendo's Smash Brother fifth character reveal, they did the right thing. They didn't tell anybody, not even their own employees. We ain't telling you a damn thing. You exactly. just wait, wait. And everybody's like, oh, everybody, okay. Everybody was like, oh, wait, look, another fireman person. But <laughs> it was the fact that we had no idea who it was going to be because right. they didn't tell anybody. That's how it needs to be. And unfortunately, it's not like that because they got Sony has to tell their entire company about what's happening. And there's always, like you said, that one person, and I hate to say this, that one peon is like, I'm going to tell yeah. my boy. I'm going to tell my my dog. They're going to tell the entire internet, and we're going to get all all this clout, and we're going to be awesome. But yeah. it's like, you just ruined it for everybody. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, on one hand, you need to have all these people in place to set up like these big marketing spiels like that, too, because it's tough to kind of organize everything if it's just a select few people who even know the details about anything that's going on, because even then, it's got to be hard to schedule and organize stuff, even when you have a larger circle like that, but still keep it away from, you know, general employees but even still if you were to do that you know like uh, reveals might need to be compromised in terms of how they're going to be presented stuff like that or put out fake news put out fake news take a page from donald trump fake news yeah everybody well let's not get inspired by him but uh yeah (laughs) i i agree to some extent but still at the same time it it, you know it kind of happens everywhere because there's like the whole like oh i'll tell you off the record thing that everybody does and like it's in a lot of cases, it's going to happen anyway, and it it just you know making the smaller circle can help, but a lot of the times, bigger companies and stuff, things are just going to leak out, and it, it's going to happen, and people are going to cover it, and then news is going to get bigger, and people are going to know, and you know it. I feel like it's just such an inevitable thing that's so hard to to try to stop, and you know sometimes it creates interesting news, but you know it, it's it's hard to kind of put the bottle on it and keep it down. All right, so getting back to E3. If they did everything that they need to do, if they pitched the perfect game, if they did everything that they need to, can the event survive? Or does it need to go away? Mm, I don't see the event. The event, like I said, the event will survive. will be smaller. It will be much more. So, yes, it, it needs to go away in the sense that it no longer is a news a, a news convention. I think those. I don't think it works anymore. We have too much information. We're all too smart. That that's not going to happen. That part needs to go away. Yeah, I I agree with Matt. I think it's going to come back. If it were to come back and succeed, it would come back as a completely different beast. It would definitely not be like the the games reveals first, like press conference style. Here's everything that we have. We're presenting this game to you, and you are going to tell the world about it. Like it's going to. They're, they're going to try their new model. And like even if it doesn't work this year, they might get better and do it better next year, but it's not going to be the same thing that it used to be. It's going to be more of a uh, celebration of games, something that they want to do all along and, and just make it so that it's some stuff that we know, but it's 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 a convention that you can go to and it's something that you can experience where people will be able to go spend lots of money and get early access to these games or experiences or at least get their first look at it and, you know, um, for enthusiasts, they'll get excited about everything and then they'll be willing to play the game later on and get super excited for it. It's not, it's not going to be this thing now where it's like these 
these outlandish reveals that nobody ever expected. We get all this brand new information all at once. We're going to be hearing about stuff coming a little earlier on. And then once the convention rolls around, people will be able to give their impressions on it. And then, you know, people will be able to give first hands of what this game feels like, or what this game kind of looks like, you know, stuff like that. It's never going to be like a, uh, a big reveal in- anymore. Uh, at least if it were to be successful again. So I think in a nice way, you guys are saying it needs to go away because there's no room for it. I mean, as it is now. Yeah. Yeah. Go away as a news convention. Yes. That's, that's what I mean. It's there's no other way for it to survive with this current model. Even, and like I said, even the only people they can take in are indie people. Cause a lot of people follow indie people as much, but again, they're indies for a reason. Yeah. And the whole conference is going to suffer there too. Cause it's like the big three, usually they have an indie showcase during their, their big press conferences and stuff. If they're not going to have that, or if they're going to have that separately, that like a lot of indie games are still going to suffer because they're not going to be around like the the big three, all the all the kiosks and stuff. Because people will be riding high on whatever new AAA game, new AAA console that they saw, and then they look at the indie game and they're like, oh, okay, well, I'm here. Right. I might as well look at that too. Now it's just going to be like, oh, that's an indie game. Like you know, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's it's just it's not going to drive up enough for them. So. Indie games are going to suffer too. Um, it just sounds like Matt loves indie games, and I agree with him one hundred percent. And this is why PAX kicks ass. This is why the Tokyo Game Show kicks ass, and this is why Gamescom kicks ass because they don't exclude. Everybody is welcome there. Matt needs to go to Matt needs to go to E three. <coughs> I'm sorry, no, PAX. No. He, needs to, he needs to take his ass to PAX East. Yeah. All right, so still time in the future. Oh boy! What all right, so we're done with V three. I I wish them luck. Uh, I mean, even if they change everything, they're still in the crosshairs of everybody because the whole information data leak that they have not said, "Hey, <coughs> we made changes to stop this stuff from happening in the future." Yeah, because, that's certainly not helping. Yeah, good job, guys. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, I think E three's done, but you know, what do I know? All right. Let's go over to all the recent game delays. In the last couple of days, we've seen a bunch of different games, highly anticipated games, get delayed. We've got Final Fantasy VII Remake. We've got Cyberpunk 2077. We've got Marvel's Avengers delayed and Iron Man VR delayed, all in the span of two days. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Which is really, I mean... First and foremost, I've said it every time and I'll say it again. I love the fact that developers are realizing that if they need to delay a game to make it better than to delay the game. And I love the fact that the publishers now, if there is a publisher attached, is allowing them to do that. Because we all know when it comes to developers and publishers, the publishers are the ones to say, we need it out. We made a deal. This is when you need to come out. So for the publishers to go back and say, you know what? Take all the time you need. Great. Great. Good. Because from what I know, from what I've heard, I haven't played it, but from what I heard, Marvel's Avengers really needed it. Well, you can tell, right? You know, in this earlier stuff like this, some of it looked kind of real bad. (laughs) It it was every time I talk to somebody about it, every time I seen somebody talk about it, it was never in a positive light. So that's good. That's great. Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics. Take all the time in the world you need. If you need to delay it until 2021, I'm pretty sure people won't mind because it got pushed back to September. Uh, 
roughly yeah, here. So yeah, yeah. It maybe maybe it gets delayed until twenty twenty one. That'd be uh, interesting. Well, then it'd be a new console game. But I, I think, feel like they wouldn't go that far. I mean, for a game that's high profile as this, I mean, the game itself may not be high profile, but the name attached. Yeah, the IP, Marvel's yeah. Avengers. It has to do well. You know what? Here's the problem they have. Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4 was amazing. Everybody is calling it the best superhero game of all time, even beating out the Batman Arkham series, which is I thought was nearly impossible because those were some great games. Yeah. And for them to say Spider-Man is even better, that's like, okay, Crystal, Crystal Dynamics and Square Enix, you have your work cut out. You have to be as good or better than this game. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough because it's like it's like the conglomerate. It's everybody. It's not just Spider-Man. You know, everybody feels like it, they should expect a similar quality or, or better, you know, as you were saying. And yeah, it's it's tough to live up to um, in, in terms of just in general, the game delays. I mean, I don't know if anybody here can say that they were surprised. I feel like this happens every time between a diff- two different console generations. Like, uh, uh, stuff that gets delayed, like, stuff that's going to be possibly cross-generation, you know, that kind of stuff. Delays like this happen all the time. I mean, I can't say I'm too surprised. The only issue for me is that it's it's such a double-edged sword with delays. Because a lot of the time it's like, great, you're giving, you know... Um, the developers more time to work on the game and you know obviously the polish is going to be much better you're going to come out with a more complete game something that doesn't feel broken doesn't need as big a day one patch you know stuff like that you know you have your like your logistical issues that legitimately get solved by a game being delayed and stuff like that quality issues we had, I, I had this conversation with somebody on the internet and they brought up a game um they're like what was it games that got delayed in the past and delays didn't help them. And one of them brought up Duke Nukem Forever. And I was like, look, uh. a delay does... Okay, a delay by a developer usually means, hey, they're going to try and make the game better. But if a game initially was designed to be bad, and it was in development hell for a number of years, yeah. that's not a good sign. Yeah. Duke Nukem changed game engine, I believe, twice through its life cycle. Yeah. You know, yeah. it changed developers during its life cycle. Yeah. There and was it, yeah. there was no way that game was going to be good. That's yeah. a bad example. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that kind of goes over to the next side of the sword, essentially, is that sometimes when you delay a game, it doesn't necessarily help with, with issues in, in terms of, like, um, not only, like, game issues, whether it's been designed as a whole as, as less than superb or, or stuff like that. But more importantly, I think it, it it puts a lot of strain on the developer anyway, even though you are giving them more time. You know, crunch is still going to happen. It's just a thing that happens during the development process, no matter how long you give them. And if you're giving them more time to work on the game, then great. You know, everything's going to be more polished. There's still going to be more man hours being put into the game. It's not going to decrease the amount of time somebody's working on a game, people are still going to be working those extra hours to get it fixed and, and to have it run properly um, to optimize everything. So it fits on a disc, you know, all the, all the sorts of the, the little developer stuff that has to happen, you know, sure. They might be slightly less crunch at, at best, but it really, it's, it's rare to see any kind of developer that takes its time and delays something. They, they, they put more crunch into it because they, they, they put more man hours in, they try to fix all these new issues because they feel like they have time to do it. And it gets into this issue where it's like, yeah, you're, you're coming out with a more robust, solid piece of 
hardware that the consumer can enjoy. But at the same time, there's still like hundreds of man hours being put in. That's extra yep. time that, that people need to fix the game. And it, you know, there's still more pressure on them to get it out on time. Case in point, cyberpunk, they came out and said, Hey, crunch, we're going to do crunch time. Let's go. We're going to try and limit it, but we're going to ask everybody to stay late, work longer. Work on this game as much as we can. Yeah, they got a lot of flack for that, and I feel like the best way to describe it is not to be you know, all the political. Oh God, crunch is bad. Yeah, and I do agree, crunch is bad. I'm work. I work a job. You guys know me. I'm a accountant. I crunch. I'm crunch man. But the thing is, crunch isn't bad. It's a necessity. It's, it's necessary. It's necessary. It's necessary, but it isn't bad if it's planned out properly. Like for example. And it's not done in a case how EA does it or Herbal. Let's just say you crunch them 48 hours and then they rest the next day and a half or two days and they go back on Friday and they have the weekend off. If they do a humanized way of doing it like that, that's fine. But I, a lot of people don't, don't understand, understand it or see it that way because of the fact is we all we heard, and this is true, terrible stories about crunch. It is bad. I'm not going to deny, oh, man, I don't want to see my guys get crunched. I want to see that. Yeah. I want to see that healthy lives to make a game and whatnot. It's true. Yeah. It's true. And, we yeah. all want to see that. But the problem is, is that these companies that run it aren't as humane as they should be. And it comes with the cost of, of accepting a job like this. If you want to be a game developer, you might have to do some crunch or two. Unless you're an indie, you can take your own time, take your own time and your own schedule and get that done. Yeah. But again, it's like I said, it's it's a give and take kind of situation, and I do feel bad for people who have to go through crunch or unexpected crunch and still make a game. And the game ends up being like worse than it's in, in initiatively, which you know, just the worst. You don't ever want yeah. that. Like, like Anthem. Anthem was it's a pilot fest of crap. So you know, yeah. And I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, I feel like what I said might be misconstrued. So I want to clarify that I'm not exactly. saying necessarily like crunch in a positive, organized way can can be still be bad I'm, I'm not saying crunch in general is bad i just feel like it's it's a good idea if you schedule it well i just feel like there's been too many bad apples with uh yeah. developers in the past developers recently i mean you've heard from rockstar we've heard from cd project red with the witcher that was a pretty big deal uh the red dead crunch red dead 2 crunch was really bad oh, and the EA, you know, uh, ea with the Re- bioware magic that crunch uh. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it's it's been bad. I think the only reason why it's become such a big political issue is is the fact that there's too many bad apples and too many bad examples of yep. crunch being negative. You know, and I just it, it can work if, efficiently and effectively, but like there's not too many people who are doing it now in the right way. They're, you know, you know the old crunch. thing. You know, if if you do something good, it won't go noticed. The second you fuck up, everybody notices it. Yeah, the thing Crunch, was yeah. like, we it's it's a, it's a necessity as you point out. It's not, and I do agree, it's bad because not everyone can do crunch type life. Like for example, people do get burnout from jobs from doing crunching, and they rest. If you could Ma- see my hand, my hand would be raised so high right now. Yeah. <sighs> so I'm not saying, oh yeah, see, look at the you guys just complain. It's art. No, no, no. Some people cannot handle the work stress that comes with it, as well as, and this is my opinion too. If you're gonna give someone a job, let's say you're a programmer in a, in a game company, you should you should have an HR meeting, reading the contract. Everybody says, "Hey guys, you coming to work here? You're gonna to have to take a crunch. These are the type of crunches you have. Before we sign this contract with you or anything, are you okay with this? 
XX overtime pay, XX whatever, and that's a whole different issue if they're getting paid and whatnot. But you tell them up front, and they say yes after explaining it to them with no lies, then, you know, it's it's a person thing. Because some people can't handle it. Like, I could do this. No, no, you can't. Yeah. There's even stories of people who like crunch, you know, I'm sure there, there are plenty of examples where developers literally say like, oh, I love working extra hours. I love my job. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love a bigger paycheck. I love a yeah. bigger paycheck. Yeah. I yeah. don't have a problem with like, I'll take my job, for example. I don't mind crunch. I don't mind the longer hours as long as it's manageable. It's not always requested of me. And I'm getting paid for this crunch. There have been stories where people have had to stay day after day and not getting paid for it. If you're paying yeah. me accordingly, if you're rewarding me for my efforts for being devoted to the cause, fantastic. Thank you. Make me feel appreciated, not like a slave and you're whip, you're cracking the whip saying get back to work. No, no. Nobody yeah, wants so- that kind of environment. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of stories of people getting like perks and stuff like that too, rather than you know, actual overtime pay. Like people get like uh, I don't know, extended vacation or whatever, which it can be great, but like usually it's like a couple days, maybe a week extra, even though you put in uh I don't know, say forty extra hours within the span of a month. That's even on the low end maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just like definitely low end. That's not <laughs> that's not proper payment. In fact that's probably illegal. Uh but you know yeah, but if you sign <laughs> if you sign a dotted line, they can actually confirm you. That's that's the thing I said. You got to have an that's HR true, yeah. meeting, and you got to have an HR meeting. Talk to everyone about it. And if you if you guys if anyone works in this industry, please read your damn contracts because they they can't get you. And I've been in situations as an accountant reminding people, yo, they can get you. Yeah. Yep, crunch. Yeah, but delays are um, again a necessary evil. It happens. I, you're a fool if you thought Cyberpunk wasn't getting delayed. You're a fool if you didn't think Final Fantasy was getting delayed. Come on, guys. Especially from Square. Yeah, of course. Come on, guys. <laughs> but how will I? But how will I play Final Fantasy VII without the remake? <laughs> Get uh, yeah. any number of those remake or uh, releases they put out over the last ten yeah, that's, years. Yeah, that, no, that's a meme of itself. <laughs> yeah, that, I love that uh, meme. From the point I was laughing like, oh god, people actually. All right. This. All right. Now moving along. Last topic of tonight. Um, so this one is an interesting one. And this is one that's pissed off a lot of fanboys, and I love when the fanboys get pissed off. Horizon, <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn, one of the biggest games of the PlayStation 4 history, is possibly getting released on a PC. Now, a little context to this. Before this even became a thing, Corey Barog, God of War, was, like, was asked, what do you think about Horizon Zero Dawn coming to PC, or what games would you like to see? And he said he wanted to see Horizon Zero Dawn on PC. Because it's a great game, and I like my PC. And since then, it was always a little rumbling in the background that maybe it's coming to the PC. And then, you know, fast forward to now, where Kotaku's like, this game may be coming to the PC. And all of a sudden, all the fanboys are going, oh my god, PlayStation 4 games coming to the PC. Sony can't do that. What's wrong with them? I'm going to boycott Sony now. And it's like, wait, guys, guys, chill out. Calm down. This is a good thing. I've said it before with the Xbox. I've said it before with Nintendo. I'll say it again with Sony. If they sell their software on another platform, they are making money. They are enabling people to play games on another platform that is not competing directly with the PlayStation. That's great. Microsoft is doing it. That's great. Why is there a problem? It's a Three-year-old game that is likely not selling more on the PlayStation 4. It's like, what, $10 now? 
roughly yeah, 1020 for if Sony can bring the game to the PC and charge full price for it, how much money is that going in Sony's pocket? Yeah, exactly. What is the problem? <laughs> and I feel like that's the thing with me because we had a conversation similar to this previous where we were talking about how like PC is like not necessarily in a league of its own, but it's very different compared to like console sales and things like that, where it's like, it, you're, you're right. It's not a direct comparison. It's not like you, like you think PS4, or Xbox uh, one in PC, right. But like when you, when you mention PC, it comes with this, not like added baggage, but there, there's, there's a clear difference. Like a, there's a gap, a very clear gap money wise. Um, like just overall, like how it functions, like it's very different in comparison because you're, you're, you're getting games and playing games in a completely different way. You've got a completely different controller, completely different rig. Like you've got graphic settings, which is something no console users pretty much have access to. Like, um, other than this generation, it's never been a thing. Um, and it, it's, 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 really a very different world in comparison and like the fact that they're selling games on pc from playstation 4 if it does come to that where horizon comes out like not only is it a three-year-old game or so um and it's it's selling to a completely new platform but at the same time there's always going to be those few people who don't buy any of the consoles in general but say they like rpgs they like the witcher they want to play horizon it comes to the pc and then all of a sudden you get all this extra money from people who want to just play that game but don't like consoles and they like to play it on mouse and keyboard for example or they just like pc in general that they don't need an excuse for that um and it it's just going to be extra revenue for that as along with anybody who may have bought a playstation in the past but they prefer their pc more because they want those access to graphic settings mouse and keyboard you know whatever the perks are and then they're going to sp- spend the full price for the game again because they want to play it on their preferred platform. Like it's, it, there's no other than what development time it might take. There's no real downside to, to bringing it over to the PC. And like, if people are going to complain because they are losing an exclusive to another platform, it's not like they're selling it on an Xbox. And it's that's the thing that drives me crazy. Yeah, They're like, they're like the PC doesn't play. It's not competitive to the PlayStation. Then why do you care? It's, yeah, it's, it's that's the problem. Of, I think it's kind of disgusting that you lose that exclusiveness or that specialness. It's like only I can play this game because I own a PS4. I hate those people. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I, if you're listening to this podcast, it's not personal, but that argument is stupid. Exactly. That and it we should, me. We should be past this. It's a plastic box that plays games, and if you want your feelings to be really butt hurt, it's a goddamn PC. Stop crying for the love of God. <laughs> Jeez. Just, yeah, that's that's the way I feel about it. It's like I think that they, they lose like how could they do this? Oh my god, they're betraying like betraying who? Like it wasn't it what this isn't a kickstarted game, you know. <laughs> and even then if you kickstart a game, they screw you. So whatever. Yeah, depending <laughs> on the guy. Depending <laughs> on the guy. It's also just like such a capitalistic thing to be so loyal to your business. Like it's just such a funny thing to think of. I don't know. That's just me personally, because like I, people no, you're will be right. like, "Oh, I love Nintendo so much; they can never go wrong." And then something goes no, they wrong. Can't, yeah, like, they're, they're, are you kidding me? Nintendo yeah, here's Mario Kart. Here's Mario Kart. They can do no wrong. Oh, yeah. I actually kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't know. Um, it's just uh, uh, it's such a fun concept. I mean, nothing nothing against the people who are like that, but it's just you know sometimes you got to put it in perspective sometimes and realize that they're they're doing it to make money. Hey, you know what's funny though? I, this is this is the this is me being a dick right now. So here we go. <laughs> Sony. Oh, I'm sorry. 
how should I say this? Ah, I'm trying not to be rude, but at the same time, it's like I, I ah, should I should I be rude? Well, you already you said you're gonna be a dick, so no, I'm gonna do you be a dick. Go into that okay, or? so yeah, so so Gorilla Games wants if it happens, if it happens, Gorilla Games wants to see their game on a superior platform running. How's that? That's to be realistic, guys. All this hardware out there on the PC, you know, RTX 20, 2080 Ti's, SOI 2080 Ti's, 344 by 1444 ultra-wide-screen monitors, 4K monitors, 360 hertz monitors. You wouldn't want to see a game like this ran on that hardware because you're selfish? I mean... Are you serious? Did you not see what happened when Destiny 2 came to the PC? And a huge majority of console gamers went, what the shit? And they're still doing it. They're like, oh, I'm going to the PC. See you guys. Because you know what? It works better over there. And it's a choice. They have a choice now. At same respect, I've seen some people playing Destiny 2 stop, stop playing on PC and go to the PlayStation or Xbox because they have friends over there. And they want to play with their friends. But they have a choice. And at as we are right now and going further into the gaming future, it should be about choice. Microsoft is leading the way. Yes, maybe this happened because they were getting their ass kicked. Yes, that is 100% true. But it shows that there's a lot of promise there. I would bring all of my games or some of my games, not, not brand new, not software that I'm selling to push a console. No, I wouldn't do that. But games that are older, that have ran their time, that are not selling... Yes, I don't see any of you people complaining when Street Fighter Five came out on PlayStation and PC. None of you guys were complaining. Yeah. So why now? <laughs> well, because why? the mod, mod fixed the game, so we don't care anymore. I mean, as much as you want to say it, <laughs> even though it was a third-party company, it's pretty much the first-party game because it's only available on PlayStation. Street Fighter Five will never come to the Xbox will never come to Nintendo because Sony funded some of the development. Yep, will never it. come. Bayonetta 3 and 2 will never come to another platform other than a Nintendo's platform because Nintendo paid for the development. Yeah, and that's the thing too. If they negotiate a contract where they, they might get more money or more benefits out of just leaving it on the platform, why wouldn't they? Especially if it's going to be funding a lot of their project in the first place. They can get it out on time. They can, you know, put the features and stuff that they want into the game. They can, you know, why wouldn't you? At least from a business standpoint. Exactly. (laughs) It it goes back again. The PC is not competing against the PlayStation. The PlayStation is not competing against the PC. These games, you could have some of your exclusive games on another platform and they still will sell. Not everybody's going to have a capable PC. Maybe people that have a cable PC don't want to buy a PlayStation. Yeah, Microsoft has the right idea. You're going to buy our stuff no matter what hardware you have. I bet you anything, the more someone looks into that and says, well, they have a good idea. They may think about that more. Yeah, Trust me. The second they say, hey, we're going to bring Bloodborne to the PC, you know how many copies that damn game is going to get sold? A lot. A lot. <laughs> and on That's the flip side, like nobody complained when PUBG came to Xbox. Oh yeah, yeah. Kind of on the PC <clears throat> side, like there's nothing to complain about, and and it's just like 
you you can make the argument that oh it's a superior platform where you can play it on higher graphical settings anyway, but it's just like it, it doesn't matter. It's still it's still the game's being ported to another console, and you know people from consoles to PC are complaining about it. Why aren't yeah. they? You know, well, it's, <laughs> this reminds me of the argument back in the day about um remember Battlefield? I think it was three or four that came to a console a PC. They made a PC version and a console version. I remember there was a meme going around saying, oh, there are no noobs on PC, only the consoles, things like that. <laughs> there are no yeah. noobs. We have, so, we, yeah. we have a lot of um, um, toxicity in all of our platforms, so yeah, I'm yeah. not going to. I, I think the, I, the problem is that, that it loses that as well as, um, let's say the developer makes some more coin on the PC and they consider Horizon Zero Zone 2 will be only a PC exclusive. And I'll be like, uh... No, not really. I mean, it depends. And it, it, does that really bother you? Because a lot of games that come on PC eventually come to console. Look at the one of the indie smash hits a couple of years ago, uh, Darkest Dungeon. It was a PC game. That was on everything. Yep. Android. Yeah. Sony. Microsoft. I'm a, I don't even know it's on the Switch. It probably is. I don't yeah. think it counts when it's a third-party game. The, the problem is when it's a first-party game and it moves somewhere else. That's the problem. Because, again, <sighs> people are entitled with air quotes, it's on their platform. It should only stay on their platform, which again yeah. is very archaic. Yeah, this stuff was back in the day, but we're changing. Times I, are changing. Gaming is changing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I personally in like a good to way. See, in a good way. I mean, I understand some. I mean, obviously, we're not going to see. Let me think of like God of War on the Xbox sometime soon. Oh no, we're not going to see it. We're yeah, not going to see that. that. That is fine, but it's like since the PC exists, and since we discussed this thing last episode, the PC is this weird place where both of them are into fine. It's a neutral ground. So it's fine. Because people yeah. go into the PC, games go into PC, games also leave the PC, they go to consoles. You know what else is funny? And here's another way to look at it, and this is a very, very, I don't know, this is probably lost on people. Logical way to explain this, but here's this Sony would be smart to start bringing some of their games to the PC. Only because the PC has something that no other platform has. Emulation. Big emulation. Mm. Big emulation. Outside of Raspberry Pis and smaller platforms, you can't officially get emulation on PlayStation Xbox. You can hack it, yes. But here's the thing. If you look at the emulation scene right now on PC, you can play a shit ton of PlayStation games right now. PlayStation 3 games you can play. PlayStation 2 games you can play. Even they, some PS4 is starting even to run some now. Play, they have a PlayStation 4 emulator that runs God of War. Not yep. well, but it does Not, run it. Yeah, bro, <laughs> run it. But it will get to the point where it's like, it's indistinguishable. And this is where Sony should be like, you know what? They're doing this. Maybe we should hit this off. Yeah. There's no reason for them not to. They're getting ahead of the game because then people won't. They'll be pirating less of their IP, so like they'll actually have a, a viable option to pay for it, and it'll well, run better. It'll be optimized. You know, well, ideally, 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 yeah. it'll be optimized well. But you know, you'll be able to actually purchase it and run it. Like it's it's, you know, it, it's just a win-win for them. There's no reason not to. I mean, like right now, I'm I I, I can play Demon Souls, even though I would like to play the re- official remaster. I know you're working on a blue point of Demon Souls. On my PC at 4K, and it's glorious. But you know what? I would much rather play it on my PlayStation. But the, th- the fact that I can do this right now, yeah, I think I, though the problem with the, the emulation theory is that there are a lot of people who are doing it at least from a community aspect because it was the only way to play 
these games. Mm-hmm. And now that particularly, I remember one company, uh, Nintendo, has shut down a lot of emulation sites. People who run emulators. Rest in peace, uh, redacted. I won't say redacted. It. <laughs> exactly. Rest in peace, redacted. But, but here's the um, thing with these, though: you're legally allowed to rip a copy of your software, and these emulators let you rip. Well, you have to do it yourself, he, which yeah, is he, which is why yeah, the they allow you to run it. And yeah, like, so, if you have your own files and stuff, you can do that too. I did that for the first time with uh, the PS2 because I had a bunch of PS2 games just sitting in my closet, and I was like, "I'm gonna get rid of these soon because I need to clear space." This I took is why a, I took Sony, a couple of ROMs that I wanted. This is why Sony has not been able to get the PlayStation 3 emulator shut down because it was deemed this is legal. It is yeah. legal. All of them are technically, as long so, as you're not hosting and and right. selling and it, or, or sharing any of the copies. Yeah, exactly. So this is going to get bigger. I mean, th- that's just one side of an argument that you could argue. But if I can already do this, would it make sense for you to do this in an official uh, capacity? The thing, though, is like to me, this is a much bigger argument, is that it will start – well, we're already in this argument of who, what is ownership in a way and what is legal ownership of a property when you purchase something. And that's that's a bigger argument for a, like that was like years of discussion. I mean, there's tons of people. On they YouTube. can't even figure, they can't even argue that now. They can't. They don't. They don't. There is no clear cut line. It exactly. always goes to a gray area. Always. It is. It's it exactly. So my my take on it is I have respect. Like it is. If you purchase it, you own it. It's that simple. But there's so many things about it and blah blah blah. So I feel like if we start entering the world of emulations, it can get pretty muddy. Because then you have to fight between legal emulators and then bootleg emulators and then people who uh, essentially, you know, run their take an emulated game, change one thing, call it their game, and sell it to you. Yeah, the second you start doing that, that's legal. That's exactly. Yeah, yeah, we get we, we it kind of gets a little spicy from there. So my my honest opinion of it is that I do like the idea of emulators. I do like the idea of this, but there's a there was. Um, tons of great emulation sites. Redacted, redacted is amazing, and I don't believe su- in those. I don't believe in those. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, it's um, they provide a service because a lot of games will never be remade or never retouched. There's a very niche of who's going to play them. That's so, true. So, so the fact is that you can enjoy it that way is great. The problem though is that again, it's on the spicy side. So you got to take yeah. what you can get. To my and defense, then- I own a copy of Dark Souls Three. I'm sorry, Demon Souls still. I still yeah. own it, so I don't care. I technically still own mine. I think they're in a shelf somewhere, but uh, yeah, I still have them too. I, and I can understand too, from a developer standpoint, um, a big thing with emulation that they might be concerned with, which is hacking the game and changing right. the game files to make it run a little differently. Like people did it with Breath of the Wild, like crazy. Oh, yeah, like, people putting in like new textures, mods, and stuff, like like crazy. Like you plays like CJ from San Andreas in that yes, game. Yes, that like, was so godlike. Like, like, who was doing this? There's a lot of great like little hacks and mods to that game and stuff. Like they make funny jokes and stuff or whatever but like i understand from a developer standpoint if you don't want people messing with your games like that it makes sense it's still very much a legally gray area and like it's it's tough to to kind of defend or attack but it's like at the same time it's just like you know if you if you want to put your game out on that like it'll happen anyway but it'll be less likely if you're selling it in official capacity so why not right exactly so that's the way i look at it like to me um, you know, Steam. Technically, Steam with some games that let you mod. You're technically kind of bringing game code, whatever. I mean, look at TF2 and some Dota, but TF2 particularly, like, you can just do whatever you want in that game at this point. Yeah, 
Well, so, the, the thing with that is like the developers are so open to it. Like you talk to anybody from Bethesda and they're like, oh, they love it when they break their games or add new stuff, you know, like they, yeah, they don't the care old, about the that. The old Bethesda, the new Bethesda, well, those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's up to their discretion. If they want people messing around with their games and stuff, they can put them on Steam Workshop. People can add whatever uh, Thomas the Tank Engine mods or whatever they want to their game and people get super excited about it. You no, know? I think my favorite mod I've ever seen you're getting like, off topic here, guys. Wait, wait, let Come me on. My favorite mod of all time is somehow in Half-Life 2. You can play it as Uganda Knuckles and CJ from San Andreas. Like, oh, aw, S-word. It's going on again. And it's like, oh, so bad and racist. But anyway, it's just, it's just fun. It's just my favorite like, mod... Oh, God. My favorite mod is the Doom mod, but it's just uh, uh, Tim Allen from Tool Time. <laughs> All oh everywhere, God, that's everywhere. That's the I greatest so... mod. I love it. I love it's so mod. good. <laughs> oh God! All right, folks. Well, there's nothing wrong with PlayStation games on on PC, and you know what? Stop crying. Sony owes you nothing. PlayStation owes you nothing. They're a business. They're a company. They're out to make money, and this will make them a shit ton of money. Stop crying. It's still a PlayStation brand game, and that's all I gotta say about that. All right, I think yeah. we are actually at the end of our conversations here. Um, unless anybody has something that they want to talk about that I completely forgot, we could talk about how you haven't, um, haven't you know been trying to help me out get to this Monster Hunter thing. I heard the game Iceborne's great. I heard Iceborne's great, honestly. It is. You said you're going to get it eventually. It's expensive. Yeah, it is expensive. It is expensive. Well, if you ever decide to jump into Destiny Two, I'm, I'm still no. Those days are done. <laughs> Bungie needs to uh, do something. Do something cool. Uh, this, well, they, they do some cool stuff, man. Um, I can't look, defend look, this season. Doesn't appeal to me. I, I don't. This yeah, this season is not very appealing right now. Like, That's understandable. There's not too much, so it's like I get it. I want one thing. I want. I want Bungie to give me a full apology. Matthew, I'm sorry that you got wrecked for 10 plus hours every night playing our game. Here's here's a god gun. Go murder those freaks. Like, all right, I guess I'm playing now. This is the best game I've ever played. We'll, we'll never have god guns in Destiny 2 because every, every time we get a god gun, somebody complains and it gets nerfed. So I don't know. The last word is still really good in Crucible. I'll kill people with three shots. And it feels great. So it feels great. Just feels, <laughs> as, as the kids say, it feels like winning. <laughs> it Wait, has that like got nerfed yet? I think I got nerfed a while ago, they, didn't it? No, they nerfed. Didn't they? They nerfed um, hand cannons a little bit, but I don't think they changed them much in this recent release with the season. Um, they changed some of the submachine guns, from what I remember. Yeah, but um, there weren't too many like buffs or anything either. So, yeah, they 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 messed up the submachine. They guns. did buff a few abilities. They messed up so some of the weapons, assault rifles. But yeah, because they killed Rampage, one of my favorite weapons. Um, I don't even use it anymore. I got it from um. God, where did I get it from? Um, the other PvP. I can't. That's all bad, but I haven't played. Iron it. Banner? No, not Iron Banner. From um oh, Gambit. Gambit. Yeah. The Gambit uh season weapon. God, what was that weapon? I stopped using it the second they destroyed Rampage. Yeah. Uh, uh, was one of my favorite weapons. Breakneck. Breakneck. Oh, what about um? I think it, I think it was even nerfed already. The um, what you call it? The the gun you get from uh six Nolan North's character. <laughs> Kate? Oh, the Kate, spades. Yeah, yeah I've never got that weapon, but no, that thing still kicks people's ass. Yeah, because they they still haven't really nerfed hand cannons into the ground yet, so they're all like even some of the ones that are kind of shaky, like they're still really good. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> especially the crimson. If you have the crimson, that gun's godlike too. Really, I don't like the crimson. 
I, I don't know. I get killed by a lot of people who have the crimson now. I don't see the last word as often as I used to. Um, I mean, I use it myself, but like people are, a lot of people have the crimson now and they use it all the time. Hmm. This is insane. It's like one burst and you're dead. You get shot in the head. Did at least tell, did at least say sorry. Like, you know what? It's the way it is. Yeah. They, they shoot out their little email that just says, Oh my bad. Like, and then they move on. <laughs> yeah maybe i'll jump back in and play that again but uh all right folks so we're at the end of today's spectacular podcast once again thank you for stopping by listening to us rant about gaming stuff because we'd love to do that and you can find this podcast over at spotify audio boom itunes google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast i'm pretty sure we're there if you find that we're not there let us know we will try and make sure that we do get there uh always we're looking for guests to come on the show so if you're in the industry or you like gaming and you want to talk games, hit us up. Let us know. We'll talk games with you. Um, as far as upcoming plans, some of us will be at PAX East 2020 at the end of February. We're still planning that, so we'll let you know more about that in the upcoming shows. Um, and pretty sure we're not going to E3, obviously. No. Doesn't so, sound like it, huh? Doesn't sound like we're going to E3. <laughs> Uh, that said, thanks for listening to myself, Rob, and Matt as we talk games. And uh, we will see you next time. Take it easy. <laughs>